good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you from Southern California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I am coming to you today from a somewhat warm but rainy day in Harlem. And I'm Seth Rodney. I'm a senior editor at the Hyperallergic Arts blog and uh, the author of The Personalization of the Museum Visit. And I'm talking to you from the South Bronx, where lots of businesses have closed. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Were you going to say something else, Seth? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Um, and we're going to wrap up our conversation uh, on COVID-19 today. And, you know, COVID-19, we hardly knew ye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we hardly knew ye. We <laughs> still, actually, we still don't. We're still dating. We're still yeah. dating. Yes, uh, we're still dating. And, you know, it's... Uh, but I think mostly just the, we we talked uh, Seth and Stephen and I talked uh, earlier in the week and we're just kind of burning out on talking about it. I, I mean, everyone's burned out on living with it at this mm. point, and so mm. it's not you know our moving on from the conversation isn't an indication that we feel like we've said all there is to say. It's an indication that we don't want to say anymore about it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it's yeah. just, there are other things yeah. to talk about in the world. So, indeed, um, you know, I said, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Steph, please, please. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to say that um, when we were talking earlier in the week, we had discussed some of the kind of hoops you had to jump through as a business owner. Oh, yeah. That's right. yeah, that's and right. I that's wanted right. to talk about that, about how you had to mani manip manipulate several levers in order to get to the place where you could keep your business going. And I thought that was a, a really fascinating story. Uh, well, so the, the the lever manipulation, thank you for reminding me of that. The lever manipulation is ongoing. So mm, the, the right. story that Seth is talking about is, so everyone has heard a lot in the news about the PPP mm -hmm. loan, the Payroll Protection Program, which is part of the CARES Act. Um, you know, and if you are following conservative news, because I, dil I do still check in with conservative news sources because I want to know what they're talking about. As, it, as it, one it, should. As yeah, one should. And, mm -hmm. and, and it is – it's usually – well, I don't want to get sidetracked. If you listen to those sources – PPP is a little bumpy, but it's a fantastic success, et cetera. And <laughs> if you listen to, you know, uh, more liberal news sources, it's an unmitigated failure and Shake Shack took all the money. Um, you know, so I, I, all I can, all I can comment on is my own anecdotal experience with it. So we're a small uh, business. We're just under a million dollars a year, which, you know, sounds like a lot of money. Uh, and it is a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money for a business. I mean, as right. far as size goes, we employ just under 20 people. We provide health insurance. You know, we do everything we can for our employees. And when the pandemic hit and the legislation passed and all the rest of this, I started contacting the person I deal with at our bank. So uh, to give people a quick cliff notes, when you have a bank account with a large institution, we have a, a, a relationship with Wells Fargo, which I regret. Um, let me mm. just front load that and say, I wish I had left Wells Fargo a, a year ago <laughs> mm. when, wow. I, I mean, I really should have. Um, right. And But 
the individuals at Wells Fargo, I've always got great customer service from. I mean, really, you know, I've really dealt with generally nice people that seem very willing and interested in helping. And so that's kept me around. But as an institution, I think I think they're probably pretty poorly run. At least that's my experience. Mm -hmm. So when you deal with a bank and you have some so like you're slightly larger than a regular like I've got a few thousand dollars in my account consumer account. So we've got, you know, close to a million dollars that goes through the account every year comes in goes out, which generates money Mm -hmm. for the bank. We get to deal with not just we don't, I don't have to go in and just deal with a bank teller. Mm-hmm. I have like a, a banker that I can talk to, that I can email questions to. Now, this is still a fairly low level person. It means underneath a branch manager, and but he can mm-hmm. basically just kind of you know oh jump you to the front of the line kind of stuff, which is already a privilege. But when you have a bank that's doing, when you have a business that's doing two, three, four million dollars a year, ten million dollars a year. You, to be clear with everyone out there, you are not walking into a branch and dealing right. with a teller. That is right. not what mm-hmm. your banking relationship looks like. Um, you are dealing with either a branch manager or someone above a branch manager. And, Who is dedicated to your business. Yeah. Yes. Right. right. I mean, and and you – this is where you get like some of the talking in the media about like commercial banking relationships, that kind of thing. Now, to be clear – Different banks have different thresholds for when you would be kicked into this other category, right? right? Well, I, I just threw out $2 million. I would guess that for Wells Fargo, that's not enough to actually be kicked up to this higher tier. My guess is, would be you had to be closer to 10. But I don't mm-hmm. know that for a fact because we're not that size. So that's not – I don't have that kind of relationship with the bank. So the person that I had spoken to, uh, our contact there was like, okay, this is how you're going to apply for the PPP loan through Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. And it gave he gave me a website. You go to the website. The website says, this is the page you're going to use to apply for the PPP loan for Wells Fargo. We will update this page as soon as applications become available. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think they said April 3rd, but as soon as applications become available. So you go back the day the loan uh, is supposed to become available, and that page still says – this is the page you should come back to when uh, uh, when oh we have further information to apply for the PPP loan. This is the Friday that they announced this. You get news stories. Chase has started accepting stuff. Bank of America, you know, all mm. these community banks. Saturday morning rolls around and I get an email from our our banker and he says, hey, there's a portal in your on your business online banking that you can click on to to let them know you're interested in a PPP loan. Oh, okay. So I go into the portal and there's a little button there that says interested in payroll pro- uh, protection. Um, and you click on that and it's it's basically just a web form. It has a place for your name, your email address, mm-hmm. um, maybe a phone number. I don't even think that was – I mean it was literally just like anyone could fill this out if you have uh, – right. With minimal information, no business information, nothing else. Didn't want to know anything else. Not even the name of your business. Not, oh, maybe, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, no, it was just like my name, email. So I had gone to fill it out and then I'm sure the load on the site was quite heavy and so it froze. And I was like, ah, Mm -hmm. I'm going to put my name on that list to be notified. I'll get back to it later. So- I didn't think about it that day, which is my fault, right? I just got busy doing other stuff. But Sunday morning, I was like, oh, yeah, let me jump back on there and do that. The button is still there. I go in. I put my name in. Now, at this point, my impression of this list, based on Wells Fargo's own verbiage and 
my banker is that this was to put your name on a list to sign up for a race. Of right. course, I understood that once the race started, it's going to be a free for all. You're going to have to be reloading pages. Like, I get that there are infrastructure limitations, even for a bank like Wells Fargo. I understand that. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm dealing with it pretty reasonably. So it turns out, though, that that little form, that three box form was the race. So they used that form to determine who could apply for PPP loans because I, hap I happened to go back <laughs> Sunday night very late when I was going to sleep. You know, I, I stay up pretty late. So I was like, oh, let me go check that original website that said it was going to be the place. And I went back to the website and this is what it says. Wells Fargo has experienced unprecedented demand for the PPP loan. It has already allocated $10 billion for loan recipients. So, so I, I'm, that is, that's crazy. That is a mm -hmm. crazy, you're telling me that from, you're telling me that from a form that took your name and your email address, no financial information about your business. Mm -hmm. And to be clear, your bank doesn't know what, doesn't know how many bank accounts you may have. Like the True. business you do with them might be one size, but you might have bank, you might have bank accounts everywhere. So they have right. no way of knowing the size of your business. What? Or, or any financial information about your business, mm. where you're incorporated, any of that stuff. So they had taken somehow from a form that put your name on it, they had determined that they had already accounted for $10 billion. That's, that's crazy. That's just no, bullshit. No, that's just irresponsible. It's irresponsible. Yeah, I, I, no, that's just batshit crazy. No. And mm -hmm. so then wow. that, that button in the banking thing goes away. The wow. button in the banking portal goes away on Monday. You can't you can't click on that anymore. And then I had oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stephen. Please. Are they going to allocate any more money? Have they indicated? Well, so well, so we'll, I, there's a little uh, story's a little bit longer, and I apologize for it. So the mm -hmm. um, so I said to my wife uh, Molly Monday morning, I was like, it, there's there was certain verbiage in there that said that you know Wells Fargo has allocated uh, has uh, already allocated ten billion dollars, like which with our current market cap position is all we can uh, allocate or something like that. First of all, mm -hmm. I don't believe for a second, not not for one second do I believe that Wells Fargo could determine from a web form how much they had allocated in roughly 30 hours. Of course they so could. Th th there's just no way. So what this was, I said to my wife, I said, I, I bet what this is is a play for them to get out from under the Fed's uh, restrictions on their banking because of their their account scandal from a few years mm, ago. Right. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah, even yeah. remember. Yes. They were opening up all these accounts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember. Well, I remember. And, yeah, part, mm -hmm. part of the consequence of that mm -hmm. was that they had to they had to shrink their market cap position. Like they couldn't take on too many loans or anything like that. And okay. I said, I was, I said, I bet that's what that's about. Well, two days later in the Wall Street Journal, it turns out the Feds, yep, have have temporarily suspended Wells Fargo's market cap. Uh, amount. And now they're eligible to take more loans. Wow. So the little button pops back up and you can go, but I'd already, you know, I'd already apparently started the race, even though I thought I was putting my name on it. Fast forward it to the day before the PPP runs out of money. 
And I finally get an email. So this is 10 days later, something like that, however long it took. It took 13 days to run out of money, I guess, so 11, 12 days, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get an email that says, okay, you can apply now. So, of course, I immediately jump on and I apply. Um, we have two companies. One is a nonprofit um, and one is our, our our music teaching business. So I apply for mm-hmm. both of these. And, you know, and I get a – periodically since – and I get these just kind of auto emails about six hours later – the uh, program runs out of money, and then you know now there's been increased legislation. I continue to get these auto emails from Wells Fargo. So mm. my experience with them is it's just nonsense. It's just a, a, an absolutely absurd bullshit experience mm-hmm. with the upper level management of that bank. It's it's a lie. It's a lie. There is no way that it's they could have known mm-hmm. how much they how much unless. Unless all of the very wealthy commercial um, position uh, accounts had jumped in the front of that line to the tune of ten billion dollars, I suppose that's possible. It's not right. Well, but jumped I suppose in that's or possible. pushed in or or identified, which is what I thought they're going to identify yeah. their favorite customers because they want to keep those customers. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and maybe that amounts to ten billion dollars. That's definitely possible. I mean, the mm. the other thing that I. Uh, and this is to, to round out the story. The other thing that I find particularly frustrating from a business point of view. So let's take the like I'm an individual being harmed by a large institution. Let's just talk about like how the large institution is performing in its own market. So Wells Fargo prior to the pandemic was the largest provider of SBA loans in the country by a wide oh. margin, very wide. Like they had okay. they processed and provided more SBA loans than any other bank in the country. Mm. Yes, SBA. I'm sorry, SBA, Small Business Administration. Okay, so okay, these okay, are loans that are guaranteed by the Small Business Administration, very right. low interest mm-hmm. rates. If you default on them, the bank gets the money from the government. So they're very safe, secure loans. They're hard to get. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of paperwork. Uh, but Wells Fargo is the primary provider of SBA loans. Okay. Yet mm. since the pandemic started, they have been blown away by Chase. As far as the amount of money that they have pushed out the door to their customers, blown away, Mm -hmm. like it's not even close. So Mm -hmm. not only do they treat their internal customers in a way that I would find to be just shameful if I was Mm -hmm. an executive at Wells Fargo, they got their ass kicked by other companies that – in their own, in their own, on their home court, like on right. the thing, no, like we'll that they yet. are supposedly mm-hmm. like right. excellent at at providing. So right. that's been that has been my and so still no PPP loan for us. All I still get are auto emails. I have no idea if we're going to get the money. I mean, our business has been taking a pretty significant hit. I mean, about twenty five to thirty percent, and we do <laughs> not operate at very wide margins. So, um, right. you know, it's a. It this it is an existential thing for us. I mean, we're not going out of business this month. Uh, we probably could make it through next month, but after that, I mean, that's I, I'm not sure what we would do. Point, well, so. well, I can't talk too much about how Hyperallergic is doing, only because my boss, the editor in chief, has already asked us to keep a lot of stuff in house. But I can right. talk about the process that Vikan, um, Prague's husband and the um, co-founder of Hyperallergic. Uh, went through when he applied for a PPP loan. And what he mm-hmm. said, what Harag, and what Harag has told us a few times, uh, he's related, he's related the story to us on more than one occasion that Vikan didn't wait for the, um, for a return email when he went up. I think it was the second round of funding. 
Vikan kept refresh, like every, he said, every 20 minutes he would just go refresh the page, refresh the page and look to see mm. if there, like the portal had opened mm. up where he could have actually applied for the loan. And he said that he just, you know, happened to get it. He just happened to catch it. Like he refreshed the page and it was like, boom, it was there. And he applied a lot and he managed to get it. So they managed to get okay. like, oh, that's great. That's a loan. And I mean, in, 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 a, in a similar way, um, you know, a hyperallergic doesn't operate at wide margins. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, the pandemic really rocked us. Um, but the, the, the signs that are hopeful for us are that because, precisely because a lot of teaching and, um, virtual visiting is happening in the online realm. Mm-hmm. Advertisers, when they're coming back, are going to come back more heavily mm-hmm. in our, and sort of on our home court, because mm-hmm. we gotcha. are primarily an online magazine. Mm-hmm. So, so the picture was very bleak for us for April and May, but it's starting to look up. Okay. Um, and, and we're similar, and we're similarly sized. I mean, we have, I think I want to say 15 employees. I mean, we're not, we're, we're not at 20. I mean, I mean, maybe it may be less than that. It may actually be like 12. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they provide 401ks and health insurance, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. all of that. And uh, rent out a big office in Williamsburg, but we don't have, we don't have a lot of um, other, I think we don't have a lot of other ho- overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, so a similar picture. Uh, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, one of the things that uh, is coming, becoming clear to me as I read news accounts, I generally don't read news accounts from conservative media. Um, mm-hmm, I just, mm-hmm. I just, I think like I don't have the emotional bandwidth for it right now. Yeah, it's it just, can be pretty upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's too, it's too taxing for me right yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but the accounts, the middle of the road, kind of um, legacy news uh, organizations like NY Times, MSNBC, la, la, la. Mm-hmm. I read those publications, Newsweek, USA Today. I read those, mm-hmm. and generally what I've gathered from the process of allocating money for small businesses is that mm-hmm. it has been rife with either yes. incompetence mm-hmm. or malfeasance or both like literally what the what the 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 trump administration seems to be doing is sneaking money out the back door to the really huge businesses while giving lip service to the cameras that they're really trying to support and protect and prop up small businesses it's just that's just uh, the not LA happening. Lakers got money from the PPP program. The I LA mean, Lakers. I know this is crazy. No, really. Harvard, <laughs> Uni- Harvard <laughs> University so, with so a billion dollar endowment. So that's actually yeah. not true. The Harvard thing isn't true. Uh, and I, I, uh, my son actually, my son actually corrected me on this. So okay. the money to Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, because um, mm-hmm. I argued the same thing. The money from Harvard, Princeton, and Yale was coming from the Higher Education Fund. It was not coming okay. from the PPP fund. Okay, well, okay. Well, that's it, it was. 
It was very sloppily reported. There's a reason we all thought that. It was very sloppily mm-hmm. reported, mm-hmm. and it was actually fully misrepresented by Fox and and other networks <laughs> like that. So uh... it, I'm not saying that Harvard should have gotten money, or I mean, what, that's a separate issue, but that money was right. not coming from the PPP. It was coming okay. from money that was okay. earmarked specifically for edu- uh, uh, institutions education. of higher education. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. That's good right, to thank know. Thank you. Uh, oh. Man. Yes. <laughs> so it's just a train. It's a it's it's a train wreck. I mean, it really is. So, I uh, that's fantastic. I'm glad that uh, that Hyperlogic was able to get. Ag- I mean, here's the thing. You know, I I I don't want anyone to lose their job. And people work for big companies too. So I want you to bail them out. Also, it's not that I don't want mm-hmm. Shake Shack to right. get bailed out. Bail right. them out. Definitely right. do that right. because lots of you know just you know sort of middle income humans mm-hmm. work for Ruth Chris. So right, I'd right. like mm-hmm. them to be continued to be employed also. Right. But you've got to either come up with separate pots of money for yes, those I companies mm-hmm. or, or you just need to put more money into the right. program. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, you know, there's, or this, you this, can, sorry, I'm just going to say, no, 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 you, no, please. I kind of, I kind of expected that this was going to roll out this way, given the last bailout. But there were going to be a lot of money being thrown at big companies and very little, if none, to smaller businesses. I mean, it's mm-hmm. there's the record of it. And what bothers yeah. me is that it's the lip service, right? It's the blatant, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's the we're helping people. That's the most annoying part of it. I, pr- yeah. I almost even prefer someone say, there's no money coming for you guys. Catch as you can. Do what you need to do. But this money's we're saving big business. I'm like, right. oh, okay, at least right. I know where I stand right. with this. But the right. lip service, the the yeah. arrogance, the blatant lies, all of it is just. Yeah. It, that's when I get sensitive and I have to turn off the TV because then I just get so agitated. I'm like, well, how do you fight against yeah. this? How do right. you organize against this? How do you, right? You know, how much are you supposed to take at the end of the day? I mean, there's a fundamental arrogance is the right word, but there's a fundamental. Not just belittling, but there's a way in which they are ch- they, and by they I mean pr- primarily the leading figures of this uh, federal administration are treating us like children. They are saying, if we just say this to you, that'll be enough. Like mm-hmm. even we, we you you won't be able to rhetorically or practically mm. put us in a corner where we'll have to actually have to account for what we've said. We're just mm. going to say this thing and we're going to you know, act otherwise. And you're just going to have to, um, you know, live with it. Um, mm. And I think part, part, I mean, this is, all, this is for a long time now been my probably core critique of, Rupert Murdoch's news outlets, right? Primarily, mm-hmm. and, and primarily Fox News is that, and the Wall Street Journal too, yeah. right? Is that they figured out sometime? I think it was early late eighties, early nineties, that you could just say it, right? And I'm and I'm thinking about this in terms of the film, The Invention of Lying. There's mm-hmm. a there's a moment in the film where the lead character, I forget what her name is, but she says to the the other character, I think it was played by Ricky Gervais, who invented lying, um, according to the plot of the film. Why would you say something that is not? Why would you say something that is not? And I don't remember whether he answers or not. But sometime 
in the recent past, Fox News figured out it could say something that was not that that which is not in order to get people to act and to feel in a certain way, mm-hmm. right? And that's the sort of, sort of you know fundamental sort of mm. power yeah. of ideology, right? I mean that 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 you can get people to act against their own best interests. To second what you're saying, I. I can't say definitively whether someone like Sean Hannity or Laura Ingram or Tucker Carlson or Lou Dobbs, I I can't say definitively whether these people believe right. the nonsense that they're speaking. Mm-hmm. They right. might, in fact, right. I, they might. I, right. I I suspect that Tucker Carlson might because he does take some idiosyncratic positions outside mm-hmm. of kind of just the main mm-hmm. line conservative narrative. And so, but I, but I can say that I would bet any amount of, uh, I I would bet all of our financial resources on the fact that the people that run those institutions, the Murdoch family and the executives that work for them do actually understand that they are peddling a false narrative to manipulate yes. oh, yeah. the masses. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. I, I think it's I think Agreed. it's purposeful. I think they believe in a kind of social Darwinism. I think mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they they actually believe that sort of that the world is the battleground for you know, men primarily, but possibly women of like vision and will and that they will overcome like their circumstances and rise to the top and that it makes <laughs> it makes the world better because of that. This sort of like John Galt, you know, Atlas Shrugged kind of thing. <laughs> I think that that class of people and that social network believes that. And um, I do not. And I will work until the end against that idea. Um, because I, second I, that. They, mm-hmm. I, I think that they are wrong, but Completely. at least it's, I, I think it's clear uh, to me. That's, that's a clear enemy like mm-hmm. that, that worldview and the people that would labor, labor for it mm-hmm. is just something I am totally opposed to. I, I want to add on to that. Cause I agree with you. I want to add that. I think there is. To me, the view that you just described, this whole, you know, manifest, not manifest destiny, but rugged individualism Mm. and someone rises and blah, 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 Mm. would be more palatable for me if it weren't so Jimmy rigged with all (laughs) the ways in which it stops Mm. other people from doing it. Right. So the idea of the American dream is not really it's 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 a hamster wheel it's a way to sort of think one day i will be famous one day i will have money one day i'll be able to live here Mm, and so forth and then you you're just in a moment where all these different um latches come down on the door not Mm. here okay move over here not here Mm -hmm. and it's and i think that's for the bulk of the people i think (laughs) it's the bulk of people you know obviously it has more implications for people of color but i think it's everybody largely and i think that that yeah it's you watch it and you just go, wow. Like, I mean, for to me, I think when Trump was talking about the whole idea of, you know, bleach and all this other nonsense he was talking about, mm-hmm. he's hurting his constituency, right? He's hurting his constituency. On Life mm-hmm. Science, there were two old elder people in their 60s and they took the the malaria disease. Hi, no, it's the um, malaria it? med- medicine. It's the um, Mal- hydro- hydro- hydrochloroquine. Thank right, you. what they did yeah. was the um the wife it was a it was a, a couple 
used to use it to clean out parasites in her koi pond, but her and her husband decided to take parts of it, and he died, and she was in critical condition for a while. So, to be clear, they think he, she may have murdered him now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just saw a story that, nice. that, that thinks Where that she may have murdered story? her husband. I would love to read this. <laughs> I'll see if I, I'll, I'll find it and send it to you. What's yeah, awesome about that idea is that she jumped on something and said, hmm. <laughs> oh, this, I could kill I'll him a little bit, but I'll pour a little more in his. Take the left one, the left one. It's funny, when you were saying the, do, the door thing, I had... Uh, it made me think of, you know, like this sort of like, you know, what's behind door number one? What's behind door number two? And I was thinking, you know, really what it is, it's like, uh, you know, the person picks door number two, like, oh, sorry, there's nothing there. And then at the end of the show, we're like, just kidding. There's nothing behind any of the doors. Oh, <laughs> sorry, <wow>. guys. <laughs> and we want to thank oh. our guest today for this show <laughs> yeah. and um, our so, sponsors so, and goodbye. So so I want to ask you both a uh, question, come back around to COVID-19. Given that these, this is the, the water we swimming in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, economically, politically, ideologically, did you have a? Did you think when this pandemic hit that this might be the thing that forces people to sort of break through the ideology to get off the hamster wheel? Because now you literally can't work, right? And now you literally have to depend on the federal mm-hmm. government for some very practical, in many cases, life saving things. Not just mm-hmm. money, but like information did you think when it as this thing began to spread around the world that this might break some people not us all but might break in some fundamental way this kind of systematic manipulation and dishonesty yeah so i think it's possible it has broken that but his history moves very slowly And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, Dean, my son, who's seven and other kids and other, you know, people are going to be shaped by this. Mm -hmm. And they are going to uh, vote and they're going to start businesses and they're going to run for office. And I'm not making a prediction about it, but but large scale events like this are the things that shape history and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we may not see the 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 I was going to say final shape there is no final shape the interim shape that things take in response to this mm. uh, but I think it's possible that um, mm. that the the order and the ways that we have thought about ourselves in the United States may have been rocked substantially uh, mm. because of it mm-hmm. Steven, you, Steven what do you think Still processing. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're um, addicted to a particular kind of way of being in the world, this gonna take a lot of rocking. <laughs> mm. You know, it's gonna yeah. take a lot of rocking. But you're right. I think that it does taking a longer or trying. You know, I can't take a longer view because I don't have that perspective. But there's how how do people change? And you know, in my view advocate for better lives for themselves and someone outside of themselves. Like, how does that work? Right. Mm -hmm. Does it work when you're ill? Does it work when you're out of a job? Does it work when you've lost a leg? How does it work? Mm -hmm. How does change really start? And, and there's no one answer, obviously, but I do think that something's afoot. I just don't know. You know, I can't really say what it is. I know that the people who are political people who are community people are doing political community things. Mm-hmm. And that the people who aren't are just waiting to get back to work and get back to normal. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's more than just the media. It's also people that I know who talk like this. And so it's still processing. I yeah. don't know. So I, we're probably coming up on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. so. Thanks, obviously, for the conversation. Next week, we're going to talk about. Well, it's actually, Seth, do you want to encapsulate what our topic is going to be next week and what we'll carry forward? I know, like, the aesthetics and Marxism will kind of be in the mix, but social class and all of this. Right. Well, it was a. The the conversation will focus on, and I just realized now that the title of the article that I sent around is completely gone from my memory. But it has, but it's. I have it. Okay. Um, what, what is it? What's so bad about politically correct art? Right. That's it. Great. Um, and it really, he's the, the author doesn't spend a lot of time talking about politically correct art. He actually talks a lot about what constitutes for him political correctness. Yes. And what the term comes out of. And it really it comes out of this sort of Marxist, for, for him, it comes out of this Marxist school of thought, which is, mm. in essence, that the world is absolutely shot through, completely permeated by class relations. It is, it is, it is the, he has a beautiful line and I'm not going to, I'm not going to remember it exactly, but he said, um, it is the sparks that are generated from the uh, friction of, of workers and employees that literally light the world. And I, and I really want to talk about that because it, it, it does get at these really kind of fundamental through lines that have been running through our conversations ever since we all started talking, like how mm-hmm. we relate to each other as, as human beings, mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. constitutes art, how do we imagine and how can we imagine to bring into existence what we think of as a better world. All these things sort of like, yeah. come, I think, uh, come, mm-hmm. come together in that, in that piece. Um, so I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to talking about it. Yeah, me too. Um, so, okay, my friends, I will. Um, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, peace later.